Retirement in this country is broken. We work ourselves to death and miss out on so many of life's experiences along the way. There's got to be a better way. David Adams is a certified financial planner and CPA and founder of David Adams Wealth Group, an independent firm that offers securities through Raymond James Financial Services and is here to help you learn how to retire while you work and develop a different way of thinking when it comes to managing your money. Hello, hello. Welcome. I'm your host, David Adams, and this is Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC, and you can hear us every Sunday from 5 to 6 p.m. Thanks for tuning in. You can also go to retirewhileyouwork.com and submit your question. We'd love to hear from you, and we'll do our best to answer your question on the show or give us a call always at 615-435-3644. So I have some special guests here in studio today. I have uh, returning back Siobhan Farler, who's a wealth advisor in our office. Hello, Siobhan. Hello. Thank you for having me again. I love doing this radio show. It's a lot of fun. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> and Helen, uh, Helen Rogers, who is a divorce attorney here in town. She's been doing this a while. She's one of the uh, top in town. And in our last segment, she's going to discuss throughout her years of experience uh, surrounding divorce planning. And that's something that we see quite a bit in financial planning. Hello, Helen. Hi. Happy to be here. Great to have you. Well, so today, first, I want to spend a few minutes talking about how much money it can take to retire comfortably. And I know that's a very broad subject. And my goal is to make that a little more palatable and hopefully a little more relatable because we hear a lot of conflicting information. And also, we're going to be having some fun with our trivia segment known as Know Your Dough. Yay, trivia this week. We're going to do it again. And uh, we're going to be answering some of our listeners' questions in the Ask David segment. And of course, as always, a quick market update. Lots going on there, so stay tuned for that. Now, first, let me just say a few words about why we do this show each week. After 15 years of being a financial advisor, I've seen too many people working themselves to death, saving every penny, thinking that they don't have enough or don't have enough money to retire, only to find out that once they quit working, they don't have hobbies or maybe their purpose is unclear. And worst of all, maybe their health isn't what they hoped it would be for this phase. And I really want to spark a real movement of change and really challenge this old way of thinking, this antiquated way of thinking about retirement and the unhealthy fears surrounding our money. And the whole point of this retire while you work philosophy is to help find ways in the now to live life and to get into that mental state of retiring while you work and not waiting till you're 65 or whatever number you have in your head. Uh, we talked to my father a couple of weeks ago about this. He was someone who fell in this camp and learned a lot. Um, he learned a lot, and I learned a lot uh, walking through this transition with him. Now, I also realize that you can't just go blindly into your 60s and hope that you have enough money. There absolutely is planning involved. After all, that's what we do every week in our office. But I do think our industry is really too one-dimensional with the planning, and it's still important to have some gauge to measure where you're at during your working years. Now, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Retire While You Work, and we're talking about how much money it can take to retire comfortably. And you can submit your questions to us for our next segment by going to retirewhileyouwork.com. So I was reading this interesting article, I believe it was on cnbc.com, about making sure you have enough money in retirement. And this is something every week in our office, Siobhan, how many times? At least five times a week we get At least. the question about how much money do I need to retire? I think we got the question actually today. I think we did twice yes. for a nine or 10 o'clock. And it doesn't matter. I mean, these particular clients were in their mid-30s, and then the other clients were in, she was, what, I think, 63. Yes. And they asked the same question. 
And the problem is we hear all these commercials and all this rhetoric about the magic number myth, and we have these certain numbers in our head. And I'd say 95% of the time, these numbers are based on an arbitrary number, or maybe it's comparison to other coworkers or friends. Trying to keep up with the Joneses. Absolutely, or a magazine article. So, you know, I need $2 million, or I need 500000 or I need $50 million. We've seen people in our office lady with $300,000 that's retired and living on Social Security and happy as can be. Yes. And we had a client uh, that came in with $30 million that just felt like he needed $40 million to retire. That was such a sad conversation when he was wanting to try to have $40 million and still not thinking it Well, was and if, if it was 40 it could have been 50, 50 So it's, right. a, it's, a, it's a never-ending game. And um, so my point is that to figure this number out, you really should sit down with um, a certified professional, a CFP, if you will, and go sleep. Or go, go, go to sleep. Go to sleep. <laughs> Definitely go to sleep. It's a very boring topic, but build a custom plan and go slow and go deep with this. Don't right. just gloss over it. I've seen almost every software known in our industry, and there are a few good ones, but a lot of them are generic, and they, they base this plan on some stagnant rate of return, which, as we know, the market very rarely uh, works that way, and they assume that you're going to retire at 65 and live on half to 75% on your income. Now, this isn't a bad start, um, but that, I think you can definitely go uh, a little deeper. So, for example, I'm 40. let's say you're 45 and you're getting burnt out with your current job and you've always wanted to, let's say, open a juice bar or health store, but you're scared of having that huge reduction in income too soon and not being able to retire. And taking that leap of faith of doing starting your own business. Yeah, and it's, it's, a, it's a tough one. And you know, I, I've seen, uh, well, let's just say this, you know, if we want to have a chance of this happening, shouldn't we go in and build a plan or, or a scenario that shows maybe you quitting your current job at, let's say, 55, saving maybe $100,000 to to open up the store and having a plan for things like health insurance, which I could talk about for hours and I'm not, that will put you to sleep. <laughs> um, and perhaps maybe a year of your salary covered, you know, while you're while you're trying to start this business. So these are the type of plans we need to build. In our office, we have this, uh, I'd call it fancy software. It's really, it's awesome. It's very visual and it helps uh, so much. Come see us. We'd be happy to help you. You can run all sorts of what if type of scenarios. Yeah, it's very visual. If you want to do it at 55 or 50 or 45. So we'll run four or five scenarios and show all these what ifs to Siobhan's point and we can play with these gauges. It's a lot more uh, dynamic than a lot of the the reports and Excel spreadsheets that are static because as we know, life... Life isn't static. Or cookie cutter. Absolutely. Now, here's what I want to do. If you're just if you're just tuning in, you're, we're talking about how much money you may need to retire comfortably in retirement. And there are five tips that I thought were interesting from this article that I want to go over and add a little bit of color to those. But first, I want us to have a little bit of fun. And let's play, Jimmy, our trivia game. What is it? Know your dough? Oh, uh, That would be it. You want to play, Jimmy? Uh, I can, but it's kind of late in this segment to get it started, isn't it? It's a time for a break. <laughs> Just about. <laughs> well, I will tee it up. We're gonna we're gonna play Know Your Dough. I've got three trivia questions. It's gonna be Jimmy, Siobhan, and Helen. Helen Rogers is gonna participate. So we'll do that right after the break. We're gonna go ahead and take a minute there. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. We'll be back in just a few. Hello, welcome back. I'm your host, David Adams, on Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And if you're just tuning in, we're talking about how much money you may need to have in retirement along the way to stay on track. And we're going to come back to this topic in just a few minutes. 
and I'm going to discuss the five things from the CNBC article that was very interesting to consider on this topic and also some of my thoughts as an advisor and working with clients for 15 years surrounding these five things. I'm going to offer some opinions there. And stay tuned in our upcoming segment for Helen Rogers, one of the top divorce attorneys in Nashville, to give some advice in this area as it relates to financial planning and considerations, something that we're seeing more and more of from our side of the table. But first, let's have a little bit of fun and play a little bit of trivia. Know your dough. Exciting. Question number one. Okay. You ready for this, Helen, Jimmy? Yep. Siobhan, you're up. Okay. Okay. So what percentage of the people who buy lottery tickets account account for 50% of all tickets sold? Is it A, 50, B, 80, C, 5, or D, 25? So what percentage of people who buy the tickets are buying half of all the tickets? Give it a guess. That's kind of a confusing question, by the way. I'm, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> okay, I am too. I thought it was just me. I buy multiple so let's, let's tickets, look at this. If somebody, if you take, if there's of all the lottery tickets bought, half of the tickets that are being purchased, what percent, how, what percentage of people are buying those? Is it the top fifty percent? Is it the top one percent? Top five percent? Um, I would say fifty percent are like reoccurring lottery purchases. Helen, do you have a guess? I think it's the other way, 5%. Yeah, I'm going to say 5 The answer is actually 5 And what that means is 5% of people who buy lottery tickets account for over half of the totals, meaning that there's a lot of repeat buyers um, that are investing heavily in these low-odd scenarios and not investing. And maybe they're trying to get into that retire-while-you-work mindset quicker and take, you know, swinging for the fences for the home run. But um, And while we're on the subject, I also read, is interesting, at least interesting to me, that, that the person who drives 10 miles to buy a lottery ticket is three times more likely to be killed in a car accident while driving to buy the ticket than to actually win the jackpot. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So how's that's that for, awful. How's that for some odds, okay? All right, let's go to one that's maybe a little easier to follow. Number two, what generates more revenue each year than movies, spectator sports, theme parks, cruise ships, and recorded music combined? Now, before I give, I'll give you a multiple choice. Anybody have an idea? I'll so pick. what generates more income than those things combined? All of those things combined. Okay. The lottery. Is it, well, is it A? <laughs> not a bad guess. Is it A? Uh, I'm going to throw this in there. Is it legal fees? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. So we have is it, maybe. I like that. B, gambling. C, billboard sales. We'll just do A, B, and C. Legal fees, gambling, or billboard sales. That. I'm going to go with gambling. 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 It is gambling. $34 billion industry, and this this runs the table, beating out all of those things I mentioned. Wow. Tom Cruise, the Dallas Cowboys, Mickey Mouse, A Week in the Caribbean, and the Rolling Stones all combined. Um, so we have a lot of people that apparently that are gambling and buying lotto tickets, looking for that, uh, I guess, that, that, that quick fix. That quick win. That's our society, always looking for instant gratification. You know, there's one industry that flourishes in good times and in bad times. Do you have any idea what that is? I would say the casinos. Well, that probably too, but this one goes hand in hand with the casinos. That would be alcohol. Alcohol. Yes. Because if you're celebrating because something great happens, like, hey, let's get a drink. And if something bad happens, like, hey, let's get a drink. So <laughs> we're going to, you know, we're, we're talking about gambling and alcohol. And now this next question, y'all are going to think I'm crazy. And then we're going to have to get into <laughs> to some serious topics. But the last question, I just found these interesting. Okay. 90%. Um, oh, I just gave the answer away. <laughs> <laughs> it was what percent of U.S. U.S. bills have at least 
a trace of cocaine on them. Oh, 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 I know, I know, wow. I know. I have a trace of cocaine? Yeah, I was going to say 1%. Is it 25? Is it 60? Is it 90%? I'm going to say 90. Good answer. 90% of our, of our bills have cocaine so, on them? So, yes. So, this is an interesting fact. Um, there was a study done in 2009 that said somewhere between 90 to actually 94% of bills in circulation have traces of cocaine, mainly because of uh, drug trafficking. Uh, moving large amounts of cash with drugs on their hands, and then the fact that the bills are often rolled up and used to snort the drug, and then on top of that, the rollers and the brushes inside the ATM machines spread the cocaine across a stack of bills, and this study that was done, they hit over 90%. Is that why my mom told me not to put money in my mouth? <laughs> that's um, that's probably not why, but that's probably a good reason. Or maybe, she yeah. knew, maybe she had taken her trivia before, but yeah. I know, very useful information when it comes to your financial planning, now, if you're just tuning in to, uh, to Retire While You Work, I'm your host, David Adams, and now we're going to talk about a serious topic, five things to consider to help make your money last. Now, first, a lot of times we ask ourselves, how old do you think you're going to get? And the chances, whatever number that's popped into your head, you're going to outdo that. In fact, the uh, recent, over the last three decades, and now the recent numbers for men, life expectancies jump from about 70 to 79, and for women, 77 to 83, no surprise, they live longer than us men. Um, and then the longer you live, the longer you're going to live. That's that's a little confusing, right? Meaning that the average 65-year-old today is expected to live till age 84, and half of all 65-year-olds are expected to live past 84. So, in fact, I believe I read that a child being born today, the life expectancy, at least for a female uh, baby born today, is 85 to 90. Wow. So, rule number one in our practice is always, before we do anything, is number one is do not run out of money. Before we talk about returns, portfolios is making sure that you have a plan so you don't out, outlive your money. Now, here are the five things. So, number one from this article, save 10 times your salary for retirement. Uh, you know, this is, this is just a rule of thumb. There's a lot of ways to back into this number. Um, and, and basically, one way you can know if you're on the right track is to hit these benchmarks. So, um, you know, for a 30-year-old, here's another way to look at it. Um, you should have invested today about one times your salary. So if you're making $75,000, a good gauge would be you have $75,000 in retirement. Age 40 would be three times your salary. If you're 50 years old, six times your salary. And at age 60, you should have eight times your salary. And at retirement, again, the goal would be having 10 times your salary for retirement. So if you made $100,000 throughout your working years, having a million dollars is one way of looking at it to where you're going to have a fighting chance of having uh, your money last 20 or 30 years with the income you're used to. Just a rule of thumb, there are a lot of ways to look at this. We have about four or five different formulas, and a lot of times they end up coming back close to the same number. Uh, number two, when you retire, keep withdrawals at four-ish four -ish percent. I've heard three, I've heard five, I've heard seven. Um, but, you know, soon-to-be retirees often have to think about how they're going to pull money from their retirement plans each year. And the numbers a lot of times are double or sometimes triple that much. And that's a recipe for running out of money fast. And the reason I say ish is I've talked to their CPAs that will tell me they like 3% um, or, you know, take out 3% early in retirement, what, you know, if the market's down. But in years when your portfolio is doing well, you can pull out a little bit more, maybe 45 or 5%. I've met insurance agents that'll say it's as high as 7%. You know, being a CPA and a CFP, I really like the 4% number. There's no magic sauce to this, but it means if you have a million dollars and you pull out $40,000 a year and you're 60 years old, you have a, you know, 90% plus chance with, you know, an average type of portfolio of not running out of money and having somewhere between half to all of your principal 
when you're 90 years old. And that's really the name of the game with financial planning. So um, we could spend a whole segment on that. So just the 4% rule. The next thing this article talked about was know what you mean by retirement. Now, uh, there was a study that you know from uh, people at Age Wave and Merrill Lynch. They did this large research on financing or finances in retirement, and they found that many people who say they're retired are also working on earning an income. So they're still working. They just may be working part-time instead of full-time or taking sabbaticals along the way. And if this is how you envision retirement, it means that your money can stay in your retirement accounts longer and continue to grow. So we hear so many people talk about the word word retirement, but what they really mean is they just want the freedom to be able to do something else. And this is a huge difference. And it's what we mean by that retire while you work mindset, getting yourself in a position. Siobhan, we had that conversation with our clients this morning. Sure did. They thought they just their goal was to retire at 55, but really they just wanted to know that they don't have to work after 55. That they have choices. And that's it, really what you're looking for is to, it, to get there and have a choice. And they didn't want they didn't want to feel like they had to be working. Correct. It's just that mental that mental space of saying, I could quit if I want to, but they didn't want to quit because we all know if we're not growing in some ways, a lot of times we're dying and we need that mental stimulation and yes. those coworker relationships and that sort of thing. So I agree with that. Number four would be uh, course correct. So let's see what they meant here. Uh, this research looked at what happened if people made changes that would enable them to dramatically reduce their cost of living now and save for later. So a pack of cigarettes a day, for example, if you give it up at, at age 35, that means 360000 more that you'd have in your retirement accounts at 65, plus probably greater health. Amazing. Course. And probably not on as much medication and all yeah. the other health care issues. Yep. Absolutely. And then a 60-year-old that's planning to retire decided that uh, they'd work part-time, 20 hours a week instead. Uh, that gave them 300000 more at retirement and enabled them to take Social Security later. And the number five was to maintain an emergency cushion. Uh, having that emergency fund, three to six months expenses, we always talk about that in our office as the basic foundation to a financial plan. Life always happens. And we could, we've talked about this for an entire segment about the three buckets of money yes. that we go over with every client. So that's very, very important. Now you're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And when I come back, we're going to do a quick market update, answer a few of your questions that we received throughout the week. And then we will tee up our special guest, Helen Rogers, a top divorce attorney here in town. See you back in a few. Welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. I want to do a quick market update. A um, lot going on. I mean, basically, if you look in uh, with Trump and his, uh, his group in Washington, we're still waiting on tax reform and health care clarity. Um, they've really been pretty, pretty much stonewalled on this topic. The market really priced in uh, about, you know, right after the election, um, quite a bit of gains, banking on the fact that tax reform and healthcare was coming, and the market hates uncertainty. And early on, really was planning on this. And so, in my opinion, um, it was a mistake uh, for Trump and his crew to start with the controversial travel ban and healthcare, versus really getting the tax reform done first, and maybe the infrastructure spending, uh, which would probably been a little bit more favorable amongst both parties. Um, and so now, really, the market's in this limbo land of waiting to see 
what's next. If we if we go through a few months and we're still at a stalemate and it starts to look like Trump's not going to get these policies through, we could see the market give back some of the returns we've seen. And if all of a sudden um, he surprises us all and, and everybody starts to play nice together, then we could potentially see um, the, the Dow Jones hit the next level, which I think everybody's been waiting for. So basically, it's kind of um, stand still and wait right now as the market just kind of zigzags each day based on whatever Trump tweets or, my gosh, all this stuff going on with North Korea. That's the that's and the scary Russia stuff. and Syria, yes. Yeah, a lot of distractions right now in Washington. So um, stay tuned for that. Now, um, each week we take questions from our listeners um, you can always go to retirewhileyouwork.com or you can call us at 615-435-3644. We'd love to answer your questions. Siobhan, do we have any questions this week? We do. We do. This one actually came in from a client that emailed us um, this week. And the email was saying, hey, David and Siobhan, um, I'm going to just call her Mary for the sake of the radio show. And she's 47. And unfortunately, she's about to go through a really nasty divorce. So this is a great question, actually, for Helen. It started off real clean where everybody was being nice. But then his attorney called. And I, this client's not really wanting to spend $100,000 on legal fees. That's all. <laughs> and, and she's like, is there any way that they could meet with someone like us okay. to kind of guide them through this transition? Well, great. I'll, be, I'll answer this. And it is a coincidence that we have a pro here today, uh, Helen here. So I'll, I'll definitely get her feedback here in a second. Now, um, I, I've, they're basically asking if they can meet with someone like our team and, and kind of work through this and avoid um, paying paying uh, paying attorneys. Now I've done this many times. I love being able to help people come to some sort of resolution, kind of mediation style. If it's a very simple divorce, and emotions are, are are very chill. Now that's very very rare, and they may start off that way, but unfortunately, many times when when it comes to kids and custody and homes and retirement accounts and alimony, um, it's rare to be able to agree on all of these accords at the same time. Now Helen. Would you agree with that? And are, and are the average well, fees, are they 100000 Is there even a such they, thing? They can be. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, but, you know, wh- one of the things that you could do as a financial planner is give the attorneys their financial information for this couple. If they can sit down and both disclose what they have, they could save a lot of costs. So a lot of attorneys work with financial planners like right. yourself to help couples going through a divorce of – Let's put everything on the table and let's get it all valued. Right. And so once you idea. do that, it, it it gets a little simpler. There is a, a new, fairly new type of divorce that we're starting to have in Middle Tennessee called collaborative divorces. Okay, I've heard of that. So what's the essence of that? Well, the 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 idea it's a long, complicated idea, but the idea is that everyone sits around the table and tries to problem solve rather than litigate. And we agree on a financial neutral person and we agree on a psychological person to help and sit in with the couple. And the financial neutral helps them go through and put their financial picture together and figure out what what we have to argue about. So someone like myself would be the financial neutral. And then is this basically just a newer way of doing like a mediation just with different parties? It's a it's a kind of a sub form of mediation called collaborative mediation. Now, the catch is 
your collaborative lawyer cannot be your litigation lawyer because it really wouldn't be fair to sit around the table and talk and then become adversarial. So if collaborative uh, fails, you have to start over with new lawyers. Got it. And that kind of wow. that's a little bit of a hook to get everybody to stay at the table because nobody wants to start over and start paying more. Right. That so, makes sense. Well, yeah, that's that may be a, um, that, that's very helpful to our to our listeners. So perhaps you know talking with an attorney about a collaborative. Um, process or um, getting with someone like ourself and we could start by laying out um, just getting getting visibility and clarity amongst all the finances and laying it out sometimes the visibility can think take some of the motion away when you can see it in front of you and uh, save some money um, and tee you up better when you go to see the attorney so great question uh, Siobhan do we have another question we do this one actually came um, from a meeting we had this week from a client that is wanting to quit their corporate job and kind of travel more and do more photography. And they've been listening to our show. And so they've been really inspired by the retire while you work uh, mentality. And they have a a pretty good plan and emergency fund laid out. And they want to give this a whirl. But they're terrified about health insurance. And they have a major fear of what to do about health insurance for leaving their corporate job to travel and do photography. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. First of all, I love hearing this. You're not going to regret it. And we're here to encourage you on this journey. That's a great thing to be able to take that plunge. And also glad to hear that you have an emergency fund and you've taken some of the early steps. But yeah, health insurance is a tough one. In fact, I met with a, um, an agent yesterday that came in our office trying to, um, kind of provide some solutions. Um, you know, what's, what's interesting is these agents, the way with, with healthcare the way it is now, they don't get any type of commissions. And so no one is helping really anyone figure this out on a personal level. So it's pretty much, I mean, it's a mess unless you have a company type of plan or you're at a big corporation and you have a plan there. If you're trying to navigate the current uh, Affordable uh, Care Act and go into the website, um, you know, there's very little, very limited choices now. It's overwhelming. People are trying to figure out what their deductibles are. And there's not someone like, I mean, we've tried to sit. Um, it's not what we do and it's not, you know, our day to day, but just um, helping people look over the different health care options. And we just implemented, uh, implemented a group plan in our office and it took, what, about eight financial planners sitting in a room just to understand all the different plans. So it is a mess. And I know there's some people, this this particular gentleman yesterday was saying, I asked him, you know, what are our clients supposed to do if they're quitting their job at 55 and they're going to that next chapter and they're pre-Medicare? He said, you know, honestly, they can look at the exchange. There's really not a great, you know, there's maybe one or two options because everybody's been getting out. Or they can go to Tennessee Farm Bureau. Uh, he said it was kind of random, but they have a good option for this year, but it's going to change every year. And so 2017, your plan may look totally different in 2018, especially with the fact that the whole entire uh, thing is on the table right now. But for planning purposes, let me say this. Uh, set aside like $10,000 or some amount, uh, maybe more per year, and just know that it's expensive for premiums and high deductibles, and you need to have a good emergency fund, and also have enough in that emergency fund, not just to pay the premiums, but to put, but to pay your maximum out of pocket. Right. You know, so pretty much plan if you got a ten thousand dollar deductible and your premiums are ten thousand dollars a year, have twenty grand in a separate account. Heck, call it your healthcare account at the bank for that mental accounting, but do that because that's Yeah, that's, sometimes people forget about not only paying their premium but paying that out of pocket, like you mentioned. Right. And it's a lot higher now because the days of going and having a twenty five dollar deductible or, you know, the ninety ten coinsurance, those days are gone. So great question. Hope that helps. Um I think we have time for another question, Siobhan. Great. Uh, this one came this week as well from a client meeting. 
where they were asking, is there a, a big market correction coming, particularly with all the Trump things with North Korea and Russia and so forth? It just really feels like this market just can't keep going up. The Dow was at 18. Now it's over 20. There's got to be um, everything that goes up must come down. Right. Well, yeah, good question. I get this a lot. Um, there's an I touched on it a little bit earlier. There's always there's always corrections in the market. Corrections are normal, and a lot of this is going to depend on Trump and the policies. And we talked about this earlier. The market price itself six months ahead. He hasn't been able to get some of his big t- ticket items done yet. And so, really, um, I do think a correction's coming if we stay in this kind of stalemate three or four months from now. Uh, but if he gets some through, I think the market could potentially be off to the races. So there's, you know, my gut again says 10 to 12 percent correction if nothing gets done. But I, do not freak out. Don't make big changes. Uh, we're going to go to our next break. And when we come back, we have our special guest, Helen Rogers, to talk about divorce planning and things that you can do. You're listening to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to Retire While You Work. I'm your host, David Adams, on News Radio 1510 WLAC. And before the break, we were taking some of your questions and some of our client questions from actual meetings during the week. We'd love to hear from you. Please uh, reach out to us, 615-435-3644, or you can go to our Retire While You Work website, retirewhileyouwork.com, and click the Contact Us button, and we'll do our best to answer your question on next week's show. Now, each week in this last segment, we like to have a special guest to talk about some relevant topic when it comes to retire where you work. And this week, that topic is divorce planning, something that uh, is a very important component of financial planning and unfortunately something that we see more and more every day. It's um, part of the way of the world now. And so we have one of the top, if not the top, divorce attorney in town, Helen Rogers. How are you? Well, I've been around a long time. Maybe that's why I get that uh, accolade, but um, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Glad you're here. Well, just first of all, tell us uh, a little bit about your practice and about you. Well, I'm a Nashville girl, which is an unusual. Hillsborough and Vanderbilt and okay, uh, yeah. Nashville School of Law, and I've been in practice since 1980. I just think that's amazing. So it's been um, an interesting journey and uh, enjoy helping people get through kind of the difficult time in their lives. We say all of our clients, um, our divorce clients are temporarily insane and we hope they, <laughs> they improve over time and um, it's good to be able to help people. Well, and the good news is you don't have to ever deal with any type of emotions. It's very textbook, right? <laughs> Just like our business, right? No yeah. emotions at all. We, we joke around and tell our clients, you know, I feel like Dr. Phil 80% of the time and, and the CFP, CPA 20% of the time because yep. with money... There's, there's so much emotion, which obviously comes up in divorce planning, but then you also factor in kids and houses and et cetera, and it's about as emotional as it gets. Well, we were talking about that. Actually, the lawyers in my office, were talk, we were talking about that at lunch. It's really cheaper for our clients to go to a counselor than to ask their lawyer to be their counselor. <laughs> Absolutely. So, wow. we, we try to encourage um, that we're, we're really there to get them a legal solution, not to solve every problem in their lives. All right. So do you have the big couch in your office where they get to lay down? And No, <laughs> no, don't do that. Okay, now, just a very generic question. What percentage of people get divorced now? I mean, I remember it seems like they'd say over half of people. Is it is that it's right? It's first marriages. Half of first marriages fail. Half of first marriages. Okay. Second marriages are about 66% failure. 
Oh, it's a higher. And then when you get into third marriages, it's like 70 percent or better. And why would you say that is? You would think, you know, I guess practice doesn't make perfect. <laughs> no, it doesn't. <laughs> any, it doesn't. Any thought around why that's the trend? Well, I, I think a lot of times people have one young and dumb um, ah, right. They make a mistake early on and get out of that and, and maybe go into a second marriage. you got a little better chance. By the time you get to a third or fourth marriage, maybe divorce is how you solve the problems rather than solving the problems. It's just a hobby at that point. Like, hey, it's something to do. Let's get married. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think my record was seven. I had a client that did seven. 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 Had so been married seven. seven times. Yeah. So you had Elizabeth Taylor. That's cool. No. <laughs> <laughs> Only Nashville's version of her. Yeah, yeah she yes. can't. She can't disclose that, Jimmy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. So tell us, you know, when and why should someone hire a divorce attorney? Is it always? Should you try to work it out first? I know you were talking about this new approach, the collaborative approach. But what yeah. would you say there? Well, I think people should always try to see if there's any way to salvage. Divorce is really always the last resort. But if if it's starting to look like that's the direction one spouse or the other needs to go, we'd love for them to come in and plan in advance and ask us the questions. I try to get people in pretty quickly because it's fear of the unknown. People get so anxious when they start thinking, this is the way my marriage is headed, and then what happens to me? What happens to our kids? What happens to me financially? Am I going to be able to survive? Can I keep my house? I mean, these are big issues. Yeah, big, big hot buttons, absolutely. So, um, you know, mediation versus court, and I know – there's different different ways. I've seen this just in our practice, different. Uh, a lot of times you have to mediate before you go to court. But just the average cost, would you say, and this is very, very high level. You don't have to give away all your fees. Sure. <laughs> no, but um, average cost in nice versus the kind of battle scenario. So the ugly divorces versus the more sure. packaged ones. Well, in our office, we have a, a basic retainer. For the younger attorneys, it's thirty five hundred, and for me, it's five thousand, and that's kind of if everything goes smoothly, that's what it would cost. Right. Um, but you know, we only can control one side of the equation. What the other spouse and the other lawyer do drives that cost. So, assuming right. you have two good professionals, you work it through, it keeps the cost down. Um, At least when it comes to child custody cases, mediation is mandatory in Tennessee. Okay, is it? So all cases dealing with children have to go to mediation unless there's just some very unusual reason. And in Davidson County, actually, the courts are set up to allow you not only to have have require you go to mediation, but they also have a judicial settlement conference. Um, that's required before you go to trial. So you get two chances, really, to settle your case. What what percentage um, get, like, with, with the custody conversations, get settled in mediation versus actually going before the judge? I, you know, I don't know or just from statewide, but yeah. our practice, yeah. we settle 80 to 90 percent of our cases. Oh, wow. So, that's really good. Yeah. And they don't have we, to, okay. About 80 percent in mediation about 10 percent we settle with either the judicial settlement conference or just between the the parties and does the, ju- the judicial uh, settlement does that conference come after the mediation kind of before usually court? yes it's kind of like the second yeah. okay second chance that, that's only in davidson county and some of the other counties don't have that right so you know talk to me a little bit about um prenups that's something we're seeing a lot more just in financial planning discussions a lot of time with second marriages but how often do you see them in your cases where they come in and they already have a prenup. Is it is is that number growing or is it getting less and less? 
No, it's definitely increased over time. I'd say in the first 10 years I was in practice, I maybe did two prenups, and it was usually just for very wealthy people. But now you see it much more often, and you're absolutely right, the second marriages where they each have children, and there's a lot of competing interest. Um, It's a good planning tool. We like it in the domestic field because our clients are happy. They're getting married. They're in better spirits. It's really the better time to discuss these things and make decisions than it right. is on the back end of things when everyone's unhappy. Of, of course. And isn't there, when, when, when you're advising clients about getting, first of all, do y'all do prenups or does that go to the estate planning attorneys? No, we do prenups. You do prenups. Okay. So when you're having that conversation, do you advise, you know, is it, you've heard of people, the the, the old adage, you know, get, sign the prenup the day before the marriage when emotions are high and that can be challenged in court, I know. Sure. What is kind of the appropriate time? Well, the, the appropriate time, we preferably would like to do it 30 days in advance. Actually, in California, there's a requirement that it must be signed 30 days in advance. Uh, but Tennessee doesn't have that requirement. But your prenup can be valid even the day before the marriage if you've hit all the touchstones. You've had independent advice. You've made full, full disclosure of your assets. Both of you have um, you know, read it, signed it, or you know, not drunk on drugs, sane, <laughs> right. you know, all those good things. Gotcha. Is there a, uh, I mean, is it something, is there like a set dollar amount that you would say if you have, if there's a disparity amongst assets of X amount, you should do a prenup? And, uh, or is well, it, do you the, see a common theme happening where, you know, because if you're 25 and getting married and both have a savings account, you're typically not talking prenups. Is it usually when there's a big disparity? Well, it depends. You could be 25 and not neither one of you making much money, but maybe one of you is going to inherit a large amount. So that family might be driving you to go do a prenup, even though you don't think you need one. Uh, But usually the typical case is where there's a large disparity in um, incomes or um, sometimes it's to protect if one client has one of the uh, parties has a lot of debt, right? Um, so, so the other person doesn't inherit that debt, and the, doesn't ha- is you know just doesn't get that responsibility. Yeah, right. Um, talk to me. What about um, what about postnups? Are there something that are postnups are a little harder because in prenups the consideration for the prenup is that you're going to get married. Correct. But for postnups, just staying married isn't consideration because that's something you're legally obligated to do anyway. And a valid so, contract usually requires consideration. Right. So in a postnup, you have to come up with some other consideration. So what is it going to be? Are you going to transfer some retirement to the other spouse, give them the house? Oh, you I have see. to have some real consideration flow. And so postnups are a little harder to do and, and easier to challenge. So, so that's basically somebody says, oh, I should have done a prenup, so now we need to do one. And then probably a, a more difficult conversation, a little more awkward. It is difficult. Um, yeah. We have done some, but they are they are much easier to challenge than a prenup. Yeah, I would think so. I have, we, we don't see it. I don't even know if I've seen one in 15 years. I had one conversation about it. Now, the prenup is, is pretty rampant. So, Well, we have a Tennessee Supreme Court opinion that says, postnuptials are okay. So they're done in Tennessee and they can be upheld. Okay. But it's, it's, you have to walk a lot more lines and not cross, cross your T's and dot your I's. Yeah. For the prenups, are those things that usually if they're done 30 days before uh, for clients, can you tell them that they're pretty, it's, it's going to make the divorce process go a lot smoother and they're hard to challenge? They are both, both of those are true. Usually makes it simpler to get the divorce because you kind of have a roadmap. This is what we've agreed to. Right. Uh, of course, a lot of people then try and challenge the prenup, but if it's done the right way, it's pretty solid. 
And the prenup usually doesn't address um, custody of the children. And that it sort can't. Of, it can't. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. The judge always has the best interest of the children is paramount. So they, they have the last word about that. So is there ever the, the, the custody of the kids, is that ever used as leverage against the prenup? No, not usually. Good. Not usually, okay. though people sometimes um, will always negotiate the children gotcha. sometimes. Well, tell is there any other just kind of general advice you would uh, you would give to somebody um, at this point outside of calling a good attorney? Well, call a good attorney and take their advice. You know, one of the worst things we have Listen. happen is don't <laughs> yeah you know pay me all this money and then don't take my advice is usually not a good thing to do. Absolutely. Well, great. Well, how can our uh, how can we contact you? Uh, at my office on State Street, 615-320-0600. Thank you so much, Helen. We'll have you back on a future show. There's so much we could talk about around that issue. And thank you for listening. I'm your host, David Adams. This is Retire While You Work on News Radio 1510 WLAC. Remember that life is short and there are many more important things to worry about than money. And we certainly hope that this show helps. See you next week. <laughs>